The universe doesn't pay you extra money to point out obstacles, saying, oh, it's so unfair. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, no duh. But if you want to be somebody exceptional and grow, you got to realize it's just an obstacle. Build the muscle to get to the top. Build the muscle to plow through it. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Hello, this is Nikki Ballou, and we're here for another amazing, exciting edition of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm here with my incredible, epic co-host, Michael Palmer. Michael, say hello to the folks. Hello, everyone. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. We have our first ever bringing back of a guest for a repeat performance. This has never happened before in the short but incredible history of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. And the person we have back is someone that I'm super excited to have back. I'm talking about none other than the one, the only, the legendary Mark Von Muser. Say hello to the folks, Mark. Hey, thank you guys first off for having me back. I'm excited. I got my voice back and get to chat with you guys again. I'm excited. Well, we're glad you got your voice back, my friend. We're excited to have you here. It's just a real honor to have you. You are fantastic. You're spectacular. Listen, today we've got a very special edition of the podcast. The topic for today's podcast is how to 10X your business during tough times. You know what? These are tough times right now. The economy isn't doing the greatest shakes if you look at all the big macroeconomic indicators. And I was just talking to Michael. We both live in the great city of Toronto, and uh, we were both commenting on how there's a lot more for rent signs out in commercial spaces like retail spaces and office spaces. Right, Michael? Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's one of the things that we both think is, you know, definitely bringing a lot of fear into the marketplace and especially into the world of entrepreneurs and thought leaders because they're wondering what this means for what they do. Because, you know, one of the things you've heard of, I'm sure, Mark, is when things get tough, the first budgets that get cut are budgets for things like coaching, training, facilitating, speakers, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we, in tough times like these, as thought leaders, still manage to 10X our business? And asking you, you're the right person to ask because you've done this all your career. Well, thank you, Nikki. I, I really appreciate it. And, and first off, congratulations to both of you for asking the right question. Having had the blessing to coach people and, and to work with businesses of all levels over the last 30 years, I, I was intrigued by that question because one of the things that you're going to notice, it doesn't matter what industry you look at, whether you're looking at real estate, whether you're looking at loans, whether you're looking at construction, whether you're looking at consulting, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other businesses. In the same marketplace, at the same time, with the same challenges, you will notice one, two people will rise above the other hundred or thousand. And the question is why? And so one of the things that I loved about your, your premise was how to do it is really the right question. So the first thing I would do before we get into the nuts and bolts is just get brutally honest with yourself and your business. Are there people right now in your industry, in your country, in your area who are making more money than you? 
Because if you've immediately believed the lie that you can't win, you will not even give your best. Does that make sense? Man, that makes so much sense, man. I'm like going dizzy. Yeah. And so when you look around, I, I used to see this with real estate and people would go, yeah, but you don't get it. There's so many realtors. The There's just way too much competition that I haven't been doing it as long. My broker takes 50%. Um, I can't afford to do this. And I, my, my point back to them would be, yeah, that's true. So what? What are you going to do about it? And one of the things, because I've worked with all sorts of different people at different levels, whether it's the brand newbie to the per person making a million dollars a month, doesn't matter. The difference is in mindset. And one of the things that that winners do, and I love this with your guys' group, Nikki, is that this is really what you're instilling is how do you win, period. And one of the things about it, when I just watched the Olympics, a, a friend of mine, one of, one of the great trainers out there, uh, Chad Cooper, has a quote, which is, you need to be stronger than the bad calls from the refs. Nice. I love that. That is good. I'm going to write that down. Isn't that awesome, Michael? It's fantastic. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're in a game, think about how many times in basketball, in, in football, in soccer, in hockey, that there is just a blatant, horrible call. Now, in that moment, the other team has two choices. Number one, they get pissed off and they lose focus and they lose. Number two is they realize that, hey, it doesn't matter. They're just trying to stop us from winning. And it's the choice that you make that's all the difference. So one of the first things that I noticed was not only in sports, but it also applies in business. And, and Michael and Nikki, when I watched you guys go through what you do with your businesses, that's really what you guys were doing is the first way to win in tough times and expand your business 10 times is number one, know your outcome. You need to know what is it that you really want, okay? So you want to yep. look at it. Do you? How much money do you want to earn? The only thing different, when you're sailing, you cannot change the wind, the tide, the water. The only thing you have control is your sails and the rudder and the decision about how you're going to move those. I agree completely, Mark. And when you say income, right, I work with hundreds of different businesses. And, and when I'm working with all of the uh, bookkeepers that we work inside of pure bookkeeping, they all want to make more money. And when you ask them how much more, none of them have a, a clear answer. So same with our coaches, our, our, the entrepreneurs that we work with. It's all the same. They all want to make more, but they don't know how much. That's right. And that's kind of like saying, I really want to do good. Well, guess what? The guys that just won all the gold medals, they didn't show up to do good. They showed up to win the gold. That is a completely different focus than just making it to the Olympics. Absolutely. There are other people who thought, I'm going to give it my best and I hope to make the team. I hope to win regionals. Some people, they just happy to be able to be off the couch and that's okay. But the question was not how to go ahead and survive in a tough time. It was how to grow your business tenfold which is a much better question. So once you decide that it's being done, you have to be honest and look at yourself and your industry in the mirror. The second part of that sub question is you have to realize, are those people doing something different? Do they have a different story about the overregulation? To sit back and look and say, I live in Canada, I live in California, I live in New York, I live in New Jersey. 
it's really overregulated. And it's like, so what? The universe doesn't pay you extra money to point out obstacles. The universe I pays you that. like a god when you win and find a way around it or over it or through the obstacle. That Most people brilliant. get stuck looking, saying, oh, it's so unfair. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, no duh. But if you want to be somebody exceptional and grow, you got to realize it's just an obstacle. Build the muscle to get to the top. Build the muscle to plow through it. And so one of the things that I've noticed with the guys you've been helping, Nikki and, and Mike, is the ones that do it are the ones that at their core make a decision to win. They decide they are going to make more money. And as you said, specificity is power. You can't go there and just say, I want to make a little bit more money. That doesn't have the energy or the juice to force you to win. So first, you got to know your outcome. And you get very, very specific on that. Then you also get very real. Are you willing to do the work and burn your boats, do whatever it takes to win? And guess what? You might have to work harder. If you're going into another, another area, if you are not the favorite, if you are going into someone else's home turf and they've got home field advantage and they've got the refs in their back pocket, guess what? You're gonna have to work harder. That's just a fact. It doesn't matter. Only what matters is whether or not you are more committed to win than the obstacles you face. And for those that step up to that level, they will be paid 10 times more than the people who just sat back and looked and said, oh, it's too hard. No, I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. I was reading an interview by um, Andre de Grasse. He's a Canadian sprinter who um, just competed at the Olympics. And uh, he's 21 years old. He started running a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. He got a bronze in the 100, silver in the 200. He took Canada to bronze in the 4 by 100. They were in seventh place, and he took them all the way to third. So that was pretty good. He's a total stud. And he's 21, for crying out loud. God bless him. He's only going to get better. Future. Oh, yeah. He's going to be he's gonna be the next Donovan Bailey, the next Usain Bolt, what have you. But um, they were asking him, so after you won the 100-meter bronze, didn't you feel like going out and partying? Didn't you want to go out with your friends? Because, you know, a lot of people party at the Olympic Village, at the Athletes' Village. I mean, shock, shock, right? And he said no. He said no. I had to stay focused. I had the 200 coming up. And he said, you know, I wanted to beat Bolt. Now, he, obviously, he didn't beat Bolt, but that was his goal. He wanted to beat Bolt. And so there was going to be no partying for him. He went to bed early. He got up early, and he did all his preparation, right? And that's, that's the mark of someone staying focused on an outcome and not getting distracted by the BS around them. Yeah, when you look for those wins, and again, that's why I said at the beginning, you have to look around to be honest because those wins are there. And if you look for them, you're going to see history shows us countless times where businesses excel rapidly during crisis. And recently, for example, when Brexit was happening, I was watching companies freak out. Oh, my God, what's going to happen with England? And very much like Warren Buffett, I advise the people I was coaching to run towards the uncertainty. How can you help them during tough times? And sure enough, they made bank while that uncertainty till the dust settled. Everyone else lost opportunity. 
And the same is true in businesses and countries and areas that you're in. Does it mean you might not have to work harder and make more because of your government's regulation? Absolutely. But so what? How do you win? And ask yourself that question. Because when you ask yourself that question, you will get better answers than, oh, it's not fair. Why does this always happen to me? It's not worth the effort, et cetera. And so that's the first part, though, is you need to know your outcome. Number two, you need to stay focused on the outcome in spite of the challenges. I know in sailing, for example, if I want to get from here to Hawaii, guess what? The winds are simply energy, the challenge. They're either going to keep me on the shore or they're going to propel me to Hawaii. The key is in how I adjust my sails and my rudder and consistently navigate until I get there. If we take that same metaphor and look at business, guess what? It's going to take a lot of work for me to sail from here to Hawaii. It will take a lot of work for you to go and 10X your business. Doesn't mean you can't do it. When everyone else has quit, you're the last one standing. And I remember when I was helping people in real estate and they were making a ton of money. And the ones that got this rapidly passed those people because everyone in the industry was saying, it's too tough. There's too much competition. And I said, why don't you be the competition? Why don't you be the one they're afraid of? What would you need to do to be the one that they're afraid of? And so how do you go ahead and take that spot? And so for you, guess what? If they have new regulation, how do you adapt? How do you change your sales so that you still win? How do you get new clients? How do you treat your existing clients even better so they want to pay you even more money? How do you take other people's clients because they're not taking care of them? But you have to stay focused. And so a lot of times people lose track. It's, it doesn't matter if they're going to the gym or in your, your case with the Canadian Sprinter. There were a lot of people that lost focus at the Olympics and underperformed. Yep. And, and the Olympics had a ton of those. They got off track. And so here they've spent four years prepping for the one that jumped in mind was the French hurdler. He was one of the world's fastest French hurdler. And then he, he had a brain fart and then jumped, jumped early and got disqualified before his qualifier. Yep. And it's like, wow. Well, people do that in business too. They start going, they start going, they start doing the work. And before it starts happening, then all of a sudden they lose track. They get off point And next thing you know, they start focusing again on, oh crap, look at the government just did this again. Oh, look at this politics. Well, guess what? That's not making you money. So you have to resist the temptation to get off track. And so you need to do that and just realize that it's just like the gym. And, and I know, Mark, one of, one of your, your friends, your guys is Mark McCoy. Yep. And hearing his story about how many times he got knocked down and had to refocus, that's why he became an Olympic champion. It was the grit and the fortitude that he developed when most people would have quit. He was fighting age. He was fighting injury. He was fighting people telling him, you know what, you've passed your prime. And it wasn't until he pushed all those things and set them aside and said, so what? I'm still going to do it. And that's how he became a champion. And so when we had the dinner, it was fascinating because that same principle applies here in business. So you have to stay focused on your outcome, even in the middle of a storm. 
when you're halfway from here to Hawaii and there's a storm, does that mean you can say, I'll screw it? If you do, you're done. You'll wake up without a rudder and your mast will break and you're not going to be in control anymore. Next thing you know, you're going to end up stranded or on some, some crap island in the middle of nowhere. Or f- shark food. Exactly. <laughs> and so the same is true in business. During tough times, the strong get stronger and the weak become roadkill. Nice. Those that then aren't up for the challenge, they're going to become, as, as my brother used to call it, street pizza. Street pizza. That's awesome. I love (laughs) that. Your brother is a cool dude. Yeah, listen, Michael has a question for you. The question really is around, you know, we work with a lot of different entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and what we find is, you know, some of them, they're they're excited. They want to make more money. We help them get clear about that. And it's time to do the work. And they don't show up. Again, that just provides opportunity for those that do. So with with staying focused, Mark, you know, these people, they're obviously up against something that's in their space, right? They've gotten stopped. And, you know, we help them try and figure that out. But, you know, how do people get themselves out of that faster than what they currently normally are are operating with? Fantastic question. And that actually leads to number three. And you're absolutely correct. It's really hard to do by yourself. I'm not saying it can't be done, but behind every successful Olympian, behind every successful business, you're going to find this to be true. You're not going to wake up on your own on some desert island and become a self-made billionaire. It just doesn't happen. The myth of a self-made business or man is nonsense. You don't do it alone. So number three is accountability and a, the right team to support you through it. That's critical. And I know it's a lot of what you guys have been doing with eCircle because when you're in the middle of the crap and you're training and it's whether you're Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, and you're the one up at four in the morning and you don't want to go to the gym, you don't want to go to the pool, you don't want to make those extra calls. If you don't have accountability and you don't have a supportive team, There will be times that even if you show up, you're not going to be at your best. You're going to mail it in. It's just a fact. And so if you don't have accountability in a team, when it gets really tough, that's when your team is there to support you. And you realize you're not alone. And you realize when you're around a bunch of other people committed to 10Xing their business and you watch it work for them, you realize and you know that the same will be true for you. That's brilliant, Mark. You know, it's funny you say that, right? Like you met Mark McCoy, spectacular guy. He was a champion in the 110 meter hurdles, which is an individual Olympic ballistic event. It's almost like a sprint only over hurdles, right? And it doesn't get a lot more individual than that. But you know what? The biggest thing he taught me is he never, ever, not one time worked out alone, not once. And right now, like I work out with him like four days a week and it's never just him and me. It's him, me and Teresa, or there's like a group of other people. There's another lady in that he works out with. Her name's Molly Killingbeck. She's an Olympic silver medalist here in Canada, 400 meter runner. And like, we're all there as a group. And we start at six in the morning and you know, Mark, six in the morning, to start means we're up at 4.30. You know what I'm saying? To get there on time. She doesn't really tolerate tardiness either. And um, 
when I get there, I'm not thinking, man, I'm so excited to start sprinting, at least not the moment I get. When I'm into it, I start to get into it, and I'm, like, excited, and it's all fantastic. But it's all about picking the right group, curating the right people to be around you, and that's what makes a champion. As you say, the groups that we've been fortunate enough to to create and be a part of, that's what it's all about. Make sure the right people are in the room and make sure that uh, we continue to have everybody be ready to support everyone else in the room. I was reading uh, a book called Grit by Dr. Angela Duckworth. Do you know her? Have you heard of her? Mm -hmm. She works with Anders Ericsson. So she... There was this quote I read from Michael this morning. I want to read it for you. She said that purpose is the intention to contribute to the well-being of others. Love it. So purpose isn't about you. Purpose is about the intention to contribute to the well-being of others. So like what we say to people is we want you to make the biggest dent possible in the universe. Help as many people as you possibly can. Because if we do what we say we're all about, which is to build a community of 3,000 universal dent makers, man, are we going to make a major dent in the universe, right? And Marianne Williamson, I was telling Michael this earlier, Michael, remember? Uh, she said that she did a study, right, that a movement changes and transforms a society when that movement is accepted and has the active participation of 2% of a population. So the example she used was the United States and the whole civil rights movement, right? After the Civil War, when Abraham Lincoln and the, the, the great Republican president, the first Republican president, and, and uh, General Grant, who then became the, you know, the, the third Republican president, these folks fought and created, uh, ended slavery and created uh, civil rights for blacks. But after uh, Grant's presidency, Basically, Reconstruction in the South ended, and the Southern whites reimposed slavery in all but name, right? Civil rights were denied to blacks, and it took 100 years before there was any movement on that. Uh, between 1865 and 1965, there wasn't really a lot of material change. But what Marianne Williamson said was that during that time, there was a fellow named Martin Luther King, which we all have heard of, right? Martin Luther King started to basically change the minds of a percentage of the population. And from the mid-50s to the early 60s, it went from less than 1% to 2% of the population. And then she said from 2 to 11% acceptance causes that population to completely transform. Because when 11% of a population accepts a new idea, then everyone's going to accept it. So by 1964, that 11% uh, of the white population in the U.S. had accepted and were agitating for civil rights for blacks. And that's when the Civil Rights Act got passed. That's when the Voting Rights Act got passed. And from, you know, in a very short period of time, over 100 years of very little progress became complete transformation. So I was talking to Michael, because one of my areas of thought leadership is movements, studying movements, what makes movements successful, is what we're creating here is we're creating a movement of dent makers, universal dent makers, right? And this is what it's all about, is we want to have of the population of small business entrepreneurs, like coaches, right, Michael? Consultants, entrepreneurs, facilitators. What am I missing, Michael? Who else? These well, are the people, right? Absolutely. And I think the, the key point that I want every all of our listeners to get is that 
the, the dent's going to be really small for a very long time, but the only way to make that dent big is to keep at it. And I think, Mark, what you're saying is know exactly what dent you're going to make, get clear that it's going to take something, and as well, don't do it alone. Because if you do it alone, the likelihood of actually making that dent in your life, in your business, for other people, because that's you know, massive uh, conversation that we need to talk about too is, you know, your outcome is your outcome, but the one that people want to pay for is their own outcome. It's going to take some time, but then there's going to be that tipping point where it's going to go a lot faster. And just like uh, Nikki's great story that supports all of this, it, it took a hundred years, but then in a very short period of time, massive transformation happened in a really, really large body of people. So it's really exciting stuff. And it's, I think, the core of what we talk about on the business of thought leadership is you can declare yourself a thought leader, but you're not going to be heard for a very long time if, unless you keep at it and keep doing the things that we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly, right? And what we're saying here is if we get 2% of that body of people to buy into what we're causing of you know, this, this whole movement of people making a dent in the universe, universal dent makers, as I'm putting it, right now, I think very quickly that'll morph into 11% and then the entire population of thought leaders is gonna buy into this, man, and we're gonna change the world. That's why, that's why this podcast exists, quite frankly. Well, you'll love this because this is a very powerful quote, one of my favorites. I love Margaret uh, Mead. This is one of the very first quotes that, that I used when I was building a, um, a group. And never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Love it. And that was from Margaret Mead. And that's also true. What people a lot of times forget is that business is a way to impact change. And so when you do it the right way, and again, underneath everything we're talking about, Michael, you hit the nail on the head. For somebody in a tough time that wants to make money, who wants to go ahead and 10x their income, are you committed to serving at 10 times the level, adding 10 times the value to the clients, doing whatever you can to make their solve their problem and, and really help them take their life to the next level? And if that's in real estate, then that means are you willing to go above and beyond? Make sure that you market the crap out of their property. If it's a loan, make sure you don't just slap them into the first thing you get a commission on. Do the homework to find out what would really serve them. Help them bump their credit to a level. Do what other lenders won't do. If you're in personal training, then help them go ahead and, and really transform their body now. Speak the truth. And so if you're willing to commit to serving your clients at a high level and over-deliver, you're going to find yourself very quickly increasing your income 10x rapidly. And what you will notice is the facts don't count when you're committed. When you're 1,000% committed, everyone else takes their eye off the outcome and they start focusing on the challenge. The refs are calling it bad. The refs are in the tank for the other team. Blah, blah, blah. I'm tired. I pulled my hamstring. All of which could be true and also all totally irrelevant. You stay focused on that, serving more people, making the difference and being that thought leader and that business leader that you can, can be. And the Olympics just showed it and business shows it every day if you're willing to look. It's not the best athlete that always wins. The Olympics was loaded with inferior athletes with, with overcommitment to the outcome. And they beat people they had no right beating. And some of the best teams didn't win. The best people didn't win. 
that had the natural ability and everything going for them, and they still lost. And then there's that miracle of those people. That's what inspires us. But I want you guys to grasp the same is true for business. You might be undercapitalized. So what? Are you willing to overwork it? You might be in a, a situation, a city, and in an industry that's overregulated. So what? Are you going to find a way to win? And when you commit at that level and you surround yourself with a team that's going to hold you accountable and be around other winners who are winning now, it's contagious and that will trickle over to you. And then, Nikki, you've brought up something too. What are you going to bring? Because no group of winners at that level is going to want to surround themselves with a taker. So are you also willing to serve your other people in your group? That's the other thing that I've noticed is that winners are willing to go ahead and share their skill set with other people. So that's also one of the unique dynamics as well as what are you committing and giving to other people? And those are the secrets on how to build and 10x a business during crisis, during overregulation, and still finding a way to win. No, well said. That's absolutely brilliant. You know what, Mark? This has been probably uh, one of the best, if not the best podcast recordings we've done. I, I want to thank you for being the first one of our guests to come back for uh, an encore performance. And we're absolutely going to have you back again. Michael and I uh, really believe in in the message that you brought to this. This is why you know we've uh, invited you back, and this is why we've invited you to to work with us more directly. And you've so graciously accepted to do that, folks. Here's the thing with Mark. Mark is a thought leader among thought leaders. He's an icon, and uh, he's up to some really really cool stuff. He's working directly with Michael and I, as well as with some other top thought leaders. And I'd say to you that uh, if you want to get in touch with Mark, definitely you can do that. Uh, he's on Facebook and uh, he's on LinkedIn as well. And, and through us and through this podcast, you can absolutely get in touch with him as well. Michael has some really important stuff to say about the podcast right now. And then we're going to sign off and say goodbye to Mark. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me on. It's been a privilege uh, and an honor. Uh, love what you guys are doing. And again, uh, stay on it. And those 3,000 thought leaders and those 3,000 transformational leaders that you're inspiring and helping will become a reality. And the impact of those 3,000 is going to be exponential. Super excited to watch that awesome. materialize. You call them your warriors of light. That's what I like. We're going we're gonna to be your partners in creating those warriors of light. Absolutely. So we'll have all the show notes up for Mark's episode, thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. As well, if you go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com forward slash reviews, please let us know what you think. Give us an honest review. Let us know what you'd like to see more of. We look forward to next week. And till then, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.